welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Spin it around. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 499 of the Self Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb. We're nearly at 500. We're nearly on the big 500. So are you bringing the champagne, or am I? Uh, I'll bring some. <laughs> Prosecco. Uh, yeah, flipping heck, man. It's a big number, that, isn't it? I'm on a detox, I'll have to have no Secco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we need to plan something for the next, the next recording, really. Record it somewhere uh, in a spectacular glamorous location yeah um buckingham palace yeah and we need to actually have a think in advance what we're going to talk about because we struggled a bit today we're talking about food because i've had a nice meal yesterday <laughs> and we heard something in the news about it and most people do require food to keep going so uh yeah but the all the research is saying all of it all the research <laughs> well i've just been reading this fella on the internet you mean <laughs> this, this bloke i've sorted <laughs> they, but they reckon that Food production, uh, our uh, the quantity of food that we can grow <clears throat> is diminishing, mm-hmm. and they're predicting by 2050 30 percent less. Um, but we have a rising population, so w- what this guy is saying in this research is so hang on, all the research this is one fella, yeah, but yeah. I'm not no, just it was, it was yeah. all the research he did, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> go on, <laughs> he's saying that, um. By 2050, for us to survive the way things are, we'd have to eat 50% of what we eat now. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've read quite a bit. Yeah. And, and we do need to change our relationship with what we eat and how we grow but, it. But it, if you read the stats, not his stats, all stats, yep. uh, we throw up to 35% of our food in this country in the bin. Yeah. Well, we can come on to that. That wasn't in my notes. But yeah. uh, I know our Prime Minister made a bit of an announcement last week about what we need to or what we're going to do and what we're not going to do about net zero. He seems to be not in much of a rush all of a sudden. So mm-hmm. food was part of that. And in fact, he was going on about set. You were, we won't force you to have seven bins. And like, no, people were just saying, what? No one said anything about seven bins. But we do need to rethink waste, don't we? And the, the mm-hmm. amount of food that we waste. And mm-hmm. So we can come on to that uh, in a minute. But yeah, mainly I wanted to just talk about the pizza I had yesterday and <laughs> <laughs> how good it was. Um liveinthepresent.co.uk for all the show notes and links and all previous 498 episodes are on there oh my god somewhere um, we need to archive them somehow because yeah. I feel like if we if we stop paying that subscription for our hosting it would all del- get deleted so we need to back, yeah, you back need to download them <clears throat> and then we need to put them into a, a big directory book that yeah. people could buy for an absolute fortune. <laughs> yeah, we're 500 episodes in. We still haven't figured out how to make a million quid off this podcast, have we? Yeah, yeah. But well, if we sell enough of the books, then we can... Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's by the by as well. Um, yeah, liveinthepresent.co.uk. All the show notes and links. Sean will have written a blog post for it, which you're welcome to have a read of. Um, that's Cooper, the, the wonder dog pads around he loves his food so we can talk about the dog's perspective because i think cooper basically lives for food he kind of pretends that he loves us but really he just wants <laughs> that little bit of food off, off our plate at the end That's of it <laughs> um so yeah let's talk about it because uh yesterday me and the crew went to liverpool 
to get some bits and bobs. We've got a family occasion coming up, so we needed some smart clouds for the boys. Uh, and as is tradition now for us in Liverpool, as it was when I was younger, there's a restaurant called Casa Italia, just off Matthew Street uh, mm-hmm. by the Met Quarter in the city centre, which has been around forever. Italian restaurant, rustic place. You know, you kind of you go in and you kind of shout it out about which table you wanna, you should sit at, and then get a grumpy waiter to you know, but actually they're really good laughs they were really cool but they bring the most amazing pizza and pasta to you and, and ice cream and bowl of olives and all that kind of stuff uh, and it's just the most amazing salty goodness in the universe you know and it makes life worth living and like I was watching my lad eat his bowl of pasta and his like the eyes his eyes were rolling into the back of the head. It was that tasty, that amazing. Um, so food can have funny a funny effect on us, and we don't, I'm conscious that not all of us are lucky enough to be able to you know have, eat out all the time, or maybe eat good food all the time. And obviously, some of us are unable to eat certain kinds of foods because it makes us violently sick or that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I know several people that have um, wheat intolerance. Yeah, I do. I know someone very well, a close relative. It's quite recently discovered mm. uh, that they're uh, intolerant to that kind of stuff. So let's have a chat about food, hey? Um, because you're a foodie, man. You love cooking. Well, you love the act of cooking and obviously the act of eating Possibly, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, where, where does your love of food come from? Um, the fact that my mother couldn't cook, ah. basically. Um, my mother's um, cooking skills uh, were not the best, uh, to the point where us kids wouldn't let her in the kitchen. <laughs> so wouldn't I, let her in the kitchen. I think it was um, uh, a tactic on her part, but uh-huh. um, the result of which is my elder sister became like a cordon bleu chef. Oh. I've cooked in restaurants and hotels and stuff, and, and cooking my youngest brother, um, uh, he's now a head, but he used to teach people how to cook. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we all learned cookery skills. She would take perfectly good ingredients in the kitchen, completely wreck them and bring them out again and expect <laughs> us to eat them. And it was like, <laughs> no chance. Yeah. It's funny how some people have got the knack and some people haven't. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know, man, for a, for a mum back in the day in the in 18th century London <laughs> <laughs> to not be able to cook for her family. Yeah, was that a weird... Because that's like, that was the mum's role, wasn't it? In inverted commas yeah yeah and I well my father could cook mm, okay um, and his big thing was suet puddings either meaty puddings or um, fruit puddings mm-hmm. but suety puddings they always look like babies heads when they came out right okay um, yeah but I mean food was very different back then because well, it, it, yeah. it, if you had a chicken um, you'd have it for <laughs> Sunday dinner then mm-hmm. It would be used for uh, food on Monday, mm-hmm. and whatever was left was boiled down and turned into soup. Yep. So, like, things were used and used and used and used. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I won't read too much into that. It's, I mean, there obviously was an appreciation for what you could do with stuff, but there was also, I don't know, I guess you had, like, a financial necessity to make something last and yeah. make the most of it. Yeah. I must have told you about the pig's head thing. I think, yeah, go on. Yeah, 12, 12 and a half pence it would have been. You bought a pig's head. And on that, you could, my father had brains on toast. You, you could use the cheeks to make a roast meal. 
um, the tongue would do sandwiches for the kids for school. <laughs> um, and then what was left was boiled down, became pea and ham soup. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you got several meals for a whole family of five out of, well, six of us in the end. Of, uh, yeah, something that, yeah. I mean, yeah, the fact that we kind of turn our noses up at certain kind of foods or certain parts of an animal mm. is strange, isn't it? You know, I can't remember where I was reading it recently, but obviously in certain cultures, there are animals well, in France horse is, is meat is used a lot whereas over here we kind of be quite shocked by that I think in China is it dogs are eaten quite yeah, regularly yeah. and yeah. Uh, which to us again is weird but eating any kind of animal is quite strange when you really start to think about it um, one of the problems is but, in if you look at the way uh, nature works biology works life lives off life mm. yeah and we can say, okay, you know, let's be vegetarian, um, let's not eat animals, um, but we end up eating um, the vegetables, you know, and that's life, isn't it? We're eating life. Yep. Mm. Yeah, totally. You know, I get that. I mean, it's just protein, isn't it? And mm. I think there's a bit of a movement trying to, based on environmental stuff, really, I think there is an acknowledgement that meat eating is not uh, the most efficient way to feed a population. Mm. <clears throat> Particularly beef and lamb, actually, that they always come out top on the list of least ecologically friendly sources of protein. Because and they're the two best ones, man. I mean, beef, mm. beef and lamb are just mm. when you cook them right, are just incredible, aren't mm. they? But they are the most resource intensive. The amount of land it requires uh, and the amount of water to kind of. I think there's some mad stat about the average burger needs sixty liters of water to to kind of make it over the course of the. The rearing of the animal and all that stuff. So, but then that kind of has a bit of a cultural kickback because we're so used to being able to buy cheap beef burgers in the supermarket and have them mm. on a barbecue that you get someone like a prime minister like Rishi Sunak that senses a bit of a culture war stuff and a bit of votes in it that I'm not going to stop you eating beef burgers and all that kind of stuff. So, and then things get a bit feisty politically. But yeah, as you've said from that research that's starting now, we do have to reassess our relationship with the with the earth and uh yeah if we're just using water and feeding cows stuff that we could be using ourselves in the first place it does seem a little bit daft doesn't it yeah so you, if you cut out the middleman and just eat the yeah yeah i mean the, the other thing is <clears throat> should we all of us be um eating our own feed again as in allotments well that yeah kind of stuff. yeah i've dabbled with you know just mucking around at home trying to grow potatoes in the garden and uh, stuff on the windowsill herbs and that kind of thing um, I've sort of thought about getting an allotment but I ain't nobody got time or I don't have time I would like to get a better appreciation for when, when houses were first <clears throat> built mm. um, the gardens of a house was the size of an allotment there is a particular size of an allotment which is designed to feed a family right yeah yeah and they were built like that Mm. I, I knew a farmer in Wales who would um, have seed potatoes that you'd put in plastic bags that were the old feed bags, mm-hmm. put them in a, and fill them with soil. And they, they were stored in a, in a barn and were watered. And then they would actually grow crops of potatoes really? out of the plastic bag. Nice. And then, then he would um, he'd finish <clears> them off. And then that would be that week's potatoes, which would then be refilled, the bag would be refilled, and then put at the, at the back end. You know. Very clever. Yeah. It's not clever, is it? But, I mean, it is amazing to watch things grow. We've mm. grown some potatoes in the garden, and, uh, you know, six months we got a 
about two meals worth. <laughs> but it is it is an amazing process. Uh, but yeah, we have kind of, I guess we've sort of lost touch with that a little bit. You know, in the supermarket, it's so easy to buy a pack of chicken or whatever. And there's not, not even a picture of a chicken on the front. So we've kind of lost mm. that connection to what it even is mm. uh, in the first place. Um, yeah. There's a book I've just read. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember the title. But it, it talks about the industrialization of the food process and mm. the ups and downs of it. Obviously, yeah, we've we've got a planet with eight, seven or eight billion people on it now. We're just about managing to keep that going. I think I think the population's due to top out about ten billion by estimates, and then it is it's actually actually scheduled to kind of start collapsing um, mid mid late century, which will come with its own problems in terms of having an old population, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm also conscious that we do struggle to feed that many people, not just physically, but like uh, financially. There's a lot of people who are, who are very poor in the world. And even in our own little part of the world here on World, there's a massive he uh, health inequality, you know, from one side of the world to the other, where yeah. I think the life expectancy on the West of World is like 10 years higher than on, than on this side. And food deprivation will be part of that, mm. and, and diet. It's crazy, isn't mm. it? Yeah. But it's not necessarily lack of food, because obesity levels are much higher in the poorer parts uh, than in the, the richer mm. parts. So it's the kind of quality of food that people mm. are eating as well. Yeah. So, yeah, very complicated stuff, isn't it? Should we... Um, this is a serious statement. <clears throat> you know, w w when human bodies die we put them in the ground or we burn them should we actually be reprocessing them and using that protein wow you know. maybe yeah or it's like i say life lives off life yeah <sighs> the the story dune the, the movie dune yeah the people on arrakis the so, water is so precious that when uh, when someone in the tribe dies that it's, the, the water from the body is taken and used um, and that's kind of the, yeah Sounds pretty crazy to us, doesn't it? But yeah, mm. there is a, if we're gonna if we're supposed to be a bit more careful with the energy on planet Earth, then maybe mm. there's, those are the kinds of things. I don't know. Maybe there are some tribes in the world, off in the jungle somewhere, that that's that's what happens. There because it's an acknowledgement that, um, yeah, the, mm. the 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 energy within the body should be used to keep the tribe going. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we we'll reach that point based. And Cooper's trying to eat me right now. What's all that about? <laughs> <laughs> you obviously taste nice. Though. What What is it about? So when we were at our restaurant yesterday with our eyes uh, just going crazy with the delights of this food that we were eating, what, what's going on chemically in our brains? I, I think that there's a lot of it. Um, one of the things that you learn when you're cooking, uh, seriously, is that um, it's, it's all to do with the seasoning and the sauce. Yeah. And you could be eating cardboard, but if the sauce is right, it tastes amazing. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's what, especially for me, Mediterranean food, they get the sauces and, and the seasoning right. Well, yeah. I mean, we yeah. had two bowls of pasta and two pizzas between us. Pizza, the pizza base and pasta itself is pretty bland stuff in it. Hmm. It's very simple food. But yeah, if you then coat it in tomato and salt and uh, yeah, parmesan. Parmesan. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's all of a sudden. It, yeah, comes it turns, alive, but, but it? it could be a piece of cardboard with the right stuff on it. Yes, and it it tastes amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things is that 
all life as we know it, as far as I understand it, comes from the sea. And because of that, our, our association with salt yes. is there forever. It's, it's built into us. Yeah, I love salty yeah. things. I've always been one for salty food. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's like I, I know people that you sit down for a meal and before they've tasted the food, they reach, reach for the salt cellar and start putting salt put on more their on food. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's true that um, some people are more kind of sugary inclined, aren't they? Some yeah. are into their sweet desserts and some more salty. But yeah, yeah. But the, 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 isn't it the case that when you're younger, you tend to be more sugary, and when you're older, you get more salty? Oh, maybe, yeah. So I think when you're younger and you're craving the energy mm. that you need to grow, then the sugar's there. What is it about this time of year then? Is the nights are drawing in and it's getting a bit cooler that makes us want more comfort food and more salty That's things? Maybe? When you eat carbohydrate, the brain. Um, secrete serotonin so it's like taking an antidepressant okay so which is why when people get depressed they tend to eat more they self-medicate with carbs mm-hmm. you know cakes biscuits sweets whatever mm-hmm. um, and put on those weight because they're depressed but they feel good because the brain's doing the serotonin trip you know? yeah okay um, I mean you yeah we did talk about it fairly recently actually but you have a, a detox system on the go don't you obviously when you're eating a certain amount of food on a certain type of food your body over the decades will either well i I have high cholesterol actually and i need Mm. to go back to the docs and see what it currently is and usually when i get the kind of readout that oh you need to tone it down it's like just lay off the cheese for a little bit and that kind of thing um and then you know i'll go back a couple months later and it's back to a kind of healthier level but yeah, what do, what's your detox routine? I, I do like a, it's a 13 day detox. And why do you do it for a start? What's the, what's the reasoning? Uh, it's a habit I picked up when I was in the ashram. Um, but it flushes your system and it, clean, it cleans your gut out and your colon, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, makes things more efficient. And yet, yes, you have to rebuild your biome and all that kind of stuff, but it's, um, it is pretty good. Um, and it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it takes some discipline to do that, though, doesn't it? Because, uh, well, again, I'm quite fortunate that I don't, I don't tend to get overweight. My body weight fluctuates quite slightly, really. We're quite a similar build, actually, quite slight, yeah. small chaps. And we're normal. Normal. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is challenged. Uh, but I can eat as much as I want, really, and I won't put on any weight. Uh, well, I found, but, since I had the surgery and I lost all that weight, uh-huh. um I've been scoffing all kinds of things like macaroons and stuff like that. And I have put on weight. I tried to, on my suit um, that I wore for the wedding, for Robert's wedding, which wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't actually do the trousers up. Oh, really? So. Okay. Yeah. I had lost three stone though. Yeah. yeah. Well, to lose weight and to go on a diet, as we have discussed in the past, um, is hard work. Mm. It takes discipline, doesn't it? So, mm. where do you find the discipline to do your detox? It's just habit. It's habit. I mean, what it is you wind down over a period of time, and then you go on to, um, you go on to just having uh, fluid. So you spend three days, uh, one day on fruit juice, one on honey water and lemon, and then one on fruit juice. Then you equate back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, but once once you're in the habit of it. And you know what's coming next. You just do it. Whereas it, and when you first do it, it's like, oh my god, I can't eat for two days. Oh no. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a bit of a scary. Yeah, but once, once once you've done it and you know it, it's like. Mm. 
know, we're identifying that we all eat more than we need and you know that kind of stuff. yeah and we are creatures of habit aren't we because like we do an online shop like once a week mm. that gets delivered to us and you know we have mm. that conversation on a friday or a saturday when we're typing in what our order is yeah and you know we're so lucky in the in the west and in this country we can have any food we want at any time of the year millions of com- con- you know combinations and yet when we're trying to figure out what meals to have through the week we're we're really struggling to think like uh, we we have this kind of we're stuck in this paradigm where we only have a set 10 or 12 meals that we all eat so, i remember working in psychiatric hospitals where um the food was the same each day each week so if it was wednesday it was curry yeah. yeah. Um, and when I questioned it, they said actually getting the um, the patients into a rhythm of eating meant that they understood what day it was because uh, of what they were eating. Oh so wow! There, okay. there was actually a plan in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but lots of people um, live their lives like that. You know, if, if it's Tuesday, it must be whatever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have a thing on so pretty bland. Not bland, but mundane stuff through the week with the lads and. As a family, mm-hmm. and then on a Friday we'll have a takeaway or a some mm-hmm. kind of you know a pizza night, watching a movie, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So Friday nights are always pretty exciting, you know, you know, gaff. <laughs> uh, that's just our routine though. But then we've got you know there's people that live on our neck of the woods, and we see kind of Deliveroo and Just Eat coming, yeah, for lunch. You're like, wow, mm-hmm. who's ordering food in for, for breakfast? Lunch? I know people that yeah. have it delivered and they're still in bed, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that's just their routine. So we, I try not to judge too harshly because that's just people have their different ways. And mm. uh, you, you put down here, eat the bugs. Yeah. Um, and that is something that people have talked about, isn't it? Eating maggots, worms, um, and also and... crickets. And yeah, and all that. how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it, giving it a go, to be honest. Yeah, I, I can... It might take me a bit getting used to. The eat the bugs thing is one of those kind of conspiracy theorist lines that is getting thrown around. You will live in a pod and you will eat the bugs because apparently there's a, a world economic forum con- conspiracy to have us living in pods uh, eating bugs by 20 something something um why would that be of any benefit to <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> um well well that's a whole other conversation but eating eating bugs and and kind of using bugs as a source of protein to feed a lot of people apparently it's quite an efficient way of doing things but and in certain countries you know you see on telly like you can go and get a big scoop of it and they'll put it in a bag and you take it home and eat them like sweets in certain parts of the world don't mm. you i'm not for giving it a go mm. uh, but it's, it's that cultural shock isn't it i guess mm. in this country in the uk Mm. to eat a cricket or a, a, a maggot is a but that's like when when you have like jungle food and people are eating chimpanzees and stuff like that mm. um, like you're saying about people eating dogs and they're like if you're in a society that goes with that that's fine isn't it yeah when you're in a society where we have dog lovers mm-hmm. you know um, yeah well I mean the whole vegetarian veganism move which is I mean every restaurant now has lots of, well not lots but vegetarian mm. options and there's, mm. there's restaurants dedicated to veganism now which mm. is uh, the aisle in the supermarket's huge it's it's amazing mm. um, but uh, that, that idea of technology solving food because as a a lot of us look for 
sausage or burger replacements within vegetarian, so corn and that kind of food. But a lot of those kind of vegan foods, not necessarily corn, but a lot of the vegan foods are so over-processed. Exactly, yeah. That they're quite unhealthy. Yeah. They're they're, they're there so that they look like and taste like meat. Well, yeah, I mean, I I will often order a Beyond Burger in in a restaurant now. What's a Beyond Burger? It's a vegan burger, so... But it's beyond what? Well, that's just the name. That's the brand. Uh, it's one of these genetically created lab-grown burgers. So it looks and tastes and feels like a an amazing kind of quarter-pound beef burger. Um, so, but and it's you know and I love it. It's great. Um, but you do wonder about the energy that it's created created taking that to taking to create that thing. Yeah. Whereas you know why can't I just eat? like actual proper vegetarian food vegetables and that yeah. I guess it's because I'm craving that kind of experience of eating a burger a juicy salty I don't know I, I was vegetarian <clears throat> for many many years when I had the heart thing um, and I was so um, my, my iron levels kept dropping all the time and they kept giving me units of blood and in the end I started eating bodies again uh-huh. to get my red count up um, but I'm now at the point of thinking, mm, should I, shouldn't I, you know, and, um, and maybe I will go back to being veggie again now. Right. Um, I'm just looking around for Cooper to mm. see where he is. Cause, uh, yeah, is he he, good? he's gone, but he'll eat anything. Um, yeah, basically. And, but, but that's the thing about human beings, dogs, rats, and pigs have all evolved together because we'll all eat anything. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah, you know that in in the good old days they used to line the masts of ships with leather so that in an absolute extreme they could peel the leather off, boil it in seawater and eat it. No way. Yeah, because <laughs> it was a source of food. Oh, well. But it was there like a dried <laughs> food. Ready to go. That could be used if they needed to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I mean, I was eating this Italian food yesterday uh, and that got us thinking about a kind of Mediterranean diet. I mean, I got this feeling if I was eating that food all day, every day, I would quickly kind of be in hospital. But but there's two things. One is that the Mediterranean portions are very small. Uh-huh. I mean, we eat much, much more than Mediterraneans would. The second thing is that there's loads of research that shows that the big difference in the way their systems work and ours is the siesta. Yeah having an afternoon sleep, an afternoon nap, um, which changed the way your metabolism works. But as the Mediterraneans have moved away from their own style of working and have gone for longer working times, their medical profiles are turning into ours. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sure that their eating habits have changed because yep. they, they get hit with I mean, you can go to Venice... And there's a McDonald's in Venice. You know, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God. Um, um, that kind of thing. Um, mind you, the McDonald's in Venice, that's a big range of salads that you don't get. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, yeah. um, but you, you've got, the, so their, their diet profile has changed, but also their sleep profile has changed. And that, that's the big difference, mm-hmm. it would appear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's one of the great things about travel as well, isn't it? It's about experiencing different lifestyles and part of that is food mm. uh, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel I follow called Abroad in Japan about this English fellow who lives 
in Japan and he just he makes cool videos about the experience of living in that culture. Uh, in many ways, it's like a real alien. It just looks like a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, well, they've got a different language and a different alphabet. Like, uh, mm-hmm. But the food is just, yeah, next it's level. It's very different. <laughs> lots of sushi, obviously, lots of mm-hmm. seafood, lots of nice curries. In fact, I read an article by someone who, another American that lives in Japan that loves to go walking, and he does like photo journals of his walks. Mm. And he came for a walk in England. I think he had a friend over here and he did like Wainwright's walk or something like that. Mm, yeah. yeah. And he said the best thing about his experience in England was the food. He says that in Japan, uh, the food is quite wet food. And, and like you go to a little cafe or restaurant for your, on your walk mm. and you get a bowl of curry or something, mm. you know, very wet. Mm. Whereas he loved it in England and in the UK because it was sandwiches and crisps. And he said, ah, oh, mm. this is much better walking food. And he was making <laughs> sandwiches, you know, putting crisps in and yeah, he just yeah. said this is more like it so in some ways <laughs> yeah I know we look you know the grass is always greener and but yeah yeah we got our yeah. own little culture going on here haven't we and, yeah, yeah yeah and and there are lots of uh, British traditions that people kind of turn their nose up now which is you know steak and kidney pudding or whatever yeah in the middle, which was a big thing like I say my father used to make a lot of suet stuff mm. so and and they always when they came out out the steamer they looked like boiled and baby's heads to me when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, Not yeah. kind of grey colour. When you had the pig's head when you were a kid, was that a source of horribleness or was it tasty? No, it's food. <clears throat> you knew you'd hit ground if you had chitlins. You know chitlins? Chitlins, no. Chitlins. Chitlins, you'd love these. What they, <laughs> what they do is, is that they get intestines, <clears throat> pig's intestines, wash them out so there's nothing nasty in them and cut them into slices like squid rings mm-hmm. and then cook them and fry them off with... Um, with uh, onions. Okay. Yeah. Was it all right? Just tasted like pork and stuff. <laughs> yeah. The only one I couldn't cope with was uh, stomach, you know, liver and lights using stomach and lungs. Right. The 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 stomach particularly was a bit too... Uh, I remember mm. as a kid, yeah, in the 80s at school, and I think every now and again, liver would be on the menu at, uh, at that school. Liver was okay. That was okay. I didn't like know, that, yeah. Liver and bacon, usually. It's just not something you see now, is it, really? But, no. Um, no. Yeah. And we used to <clears throat> eat a lot of hearts, hearts stuffed, like you'd stuff a chicken, they'd stuff a heart, mm-hmm. and then if you if you were posh and you had the money, you'd wrap it in bacon as well. Okay. Before you roasted it, and then it was like, well... Good times. Um, yeah, but but that was normal food. That yeah, well, that's it. the food yeah. changes, isn't it? In, in yeah. Quite. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. and our relationship with food is constantly yeah. evolving, isn't it? And and people used to buy things like calves' feet and and trotters and stuff like that, mm. and they would boil them up, and and get you know calves calves' foot jelly, right, and all that kind of stuff that you can then use to make other things. With. Uh, if you go to the average mm. pet shop now, you'll see. A lot of dried food for dogs to chew on, like chickens' feet and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's where. Or the chickens' old... feet. If you go to the Thai supermarket down in Birkenhead, yeah, um, you can get chickens' feet there, <laughs> yeah. and they're a delicacy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stick my resource in as a link to mind.org.uk, and it's, there's a whole page there of um, food and mental health, and uh, talking about not just food actually, but drink in terms of yeah. our relationship with alcohol which we could, yeah. we could do a whole episode on easily. Caffeine, that kind of thing. We've just had a coffee, haven't we, to give us a bit of a yeah. morning yeah. boost. Um, so there's a lot to digest, and it's quite a good uh, article, actually. And it also talks about the affordability of food and how, you, you know, a lot of us 
struggling to was pay that, the bills. So was that a Freudian slip then? When you said there's a lot to digest. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh. See, oh, it's in the language as well, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. See, there you go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, have you got what you mentioned in Sean as your results? Well, I'm, I'm going to put the detox in again. Cool. Because it, it's detox time now. Good, good time of year. Seasons changing, going into autumn. Yep. Detox change coming up to Christmas, and then revere again in March. You know. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see you next week for the the big five zero zero. Yeah, yeah. We'll have some and celebration. I'll have my with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Thanks, okay. John. See ya. See you later. Oh, so-